0: hostplus has been named super rating super fund of the year for 2023 that's a plus issued by hostplus proprietary limited check the pds and tmd at hostplus.com.au hyundai tucson n-line taken to the next level in stock now visit your local hyundai showroom
1: monday morning this is your town this is your station this is waitley
2: Good morning. Welcome to the show on this Labor Day public holiday. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Jared Waitley. I hope you're having a fantastic long weekend so far. And certainly been a very interesting and at sometimes controversial weekend in sport. We'll take your Snap judgments this morning for Snap Fitness. It's on a mission to help you feel fantastic. And of course, we've got a big prize today. Best caller today, 200 dollar bcf voucher bcf preston number one for outdoor easter fun so it's been 170 days since joel selwood's check side capped a stunning career and a much deserved geelong premiership now we're just over 72 hours away from the much anticipated 2023 season but before we get stuck into footy 2023 it it was a weekend which saw one of the greatest we have ever seen wind back the clock
3: All the noise for Coley on 99, line to him here, round the wicket, turning into the onside, and there it is. Not his most extravagant hundred, nor his most elaborate, but you can never doubt this man's dedication. Careful accumulation, reaching three figures for the 28th time in test cricket, the 8th time in test cricket against Australia. He takes off his necklace and gives it a kiss. That might be his wedding ring. 1,206 days. Kohli, the chance to wave that bat around again. The
0: crowd adore this man.
2: So it looks like it's going to be a draw over there in India. Pretty tough wicket to, to take wickets on Kohli, the star of the show, with 186, Gill, 128. And Patel, once again, some handy lower order runs for the Indians with 75. The Indians notching up 571 in response to Australia's 480. Australia with Matt kuhneman open the batting, as happens. None for three concerns over Usman Khawaja with a knee injury. Yesterday also saw a young master step out of the shadows of his famous father. He's
4: pouring in shots,
3: Look but for how long? He's on there. very unsteady oh. legs. And it's stopped. It stopped. And it's real. It is all real. The doubters have
4: been destroyed.
2: Tim Zhu with a TKO in the ninth round. A stunning display. We'll speak to Ben Damon around about 10.40 this morning, boxing commentator, about the bout and what it all means. The reaction in the States has been interesting uh, not many of the critics over there think uh, it was a great performance, so it's going to be interesting to see what Tim Zhu can do for the rest of the year. While at Flemington on Saturday, two of our premier jockeys, Jamie Carr and Craig Williams, crashed to the turf in frightening scenes.
5: This is probably you know, one of my top three worst falls. Felt like I cleared it, and then next minute, um, my horse lost her, her footing, and uh, she did um, I ended up getting dislodged from her and hitting the um, hitting the turf track. I just asked the um, the medics around me was there uh, was anyone else involved in the fall and they said jamie card's gone down when race falls happen they happen that quick you actually don't get time to be terrified or scared we don't like a fellow ourselves or a fellow uh a fellow partner going down and uh, we're always thinking of, of the, uh, the fallen jockeys
2: so that was Craig Williams there, of course, uh, broken collarbone. He'll go back in tomorrow for surgery, uh, a severe concussion for Jamie Carr. So Matt Hill will join us uh, in studio from 10 to talk racing and, and everything that happened uh, on the week. And also some footy. He's going to be on uh, SEN's AFL Nation, our, one of our Thursday night commentators this year. So it all gets underway, of course. Thursday night, uh, Richmond versus Carlton. So as we said off the top, the wait for season 2023 is to begin is almost over, and what a duo of matches to get us underway. Friday night, the reigning Premier's Geelong against the Cinderella team of 2022 Collingwood. But 24 hours earlier, it's old rivals Carlton and Richmond.
4: Edwards gave it to Bolton, who runs inside 50, has a bounce, puts the Jets on, and Hook kicks a goal.
3: He's got three, and the Tigers sprint clear, biggest margin of the game. Patrick Cripps for his third he's kicked it high he's kicked it straight
0: the Blues are coming at a ferocious pace Jack Martin tried to forge his way clear got caught, off to Fisher pigs it through Carlton can do no wrong final seconds tick down and the Blues can fill the Melbourne air with a roar missing for so long The Michael Voss era dawns with glorious possibility. It's first stop to break the Richmond stranglehold. Carlton winning round one. Then they're all after it. Maynard will win it for the Pies. Hand pass to Nick Dacos. Caress the kick. Lipinski kicks beautifully. Pendleby links it up. Dagoe eyes the big sticks and puts Collingwood back in front.
1: They just cannot be killed. To the city end of the MCG.
0: It's up and under and through.
1: Gary Rowan, Ham Guthrie go to Duncan, instant
2: pressure kept his head, handball back to Guthrie, he spots Jeremy Cameron, it bounces for him beautifully, he kicks off that left boot, it's Gary Rowan, he dropped it it bounces back it has to be a goal he handballed it off and Holmes
0: sends it home. They took the country road, but they are in front.
1: Hawkins down to blitzars. Cats fans know it's safe. It bounces at half forward. Hows onto it? Gives it to Quainor. Geelong <laughs> played in Collingwood's genre. They played in the thriller,
3: and they took the Magpies down.
0: Geelong into the home preliminary final.
2: Well, there's a couple of minutes to whet the appetite, of course. We go back 12 months and Carlton finally defeated Richmond in a season opener. And then that amazing qualifying final last year, goal for goal in the final turn. The Cats finally got over the line with that late goal to Max Holmes and uh, the- Four teams will do it all again uh, to kick off. What's a great round one? It's uh, difficult to pick a winner in any of the games. Also on the show today, we'll talk some basketball, the NBL Grand Final Series. It's going to a fifth game Wednesday night in Sydney. Uh, so former tall black Brooke Rusco will join us. A uh, record crowd over there in New Zealand yesterday. We had a record crowd uh, for game three in Sydney. So you expect another big crowd up there at Kudos Bank Arena on Wednesday night with the title on the line. Now, the Breakers defeating the Kings by 10 points yesterday to set up that decider. So get on the open line now for EFS delivering simple freight solutions. 1300 736 736 or send us to 40 Wings Temper 043, 98 16 Temper a mattress like no other. So we're after your bold predictions today and just Consider these two questions as well. Uh, who's going to hit finish higher on the ladder between Richmond, Carlton and Collingwood? Uh, and let us know why, uh, whoever you think that is, why they're going to finish higher. And out of the three new coaches of, of the Victorian teams, Essendon, North Melbourne and St Kilda. So Brad Scott, Alistair Clarkson, Ross Lyon. Who will have the most wins in 2023? Keen to get your thoughts on those. Now talk about bold predictions. So myself, Benny Lyon and A. Rod have come up with that one for each team. So well, let's just I'll give you a little snapshot just of the four teams we've been speaking about so far with Carlton, Richmond, Geelong, and Collingwood. So Carlton. Carlton. Thank you. So last year, no player kicked 10 goals in a game. The last time it happened was Josh Bruce back in 2021 when he kicked 10 against North. In, on in the Good Friday game, but we think Charlie Kerner will take a game apart this year. He'll kick ten. He'll kick ten in a game of footy. So that's our bold prediction for Carlton, Richmond. So a bit like what Josh Jenkins was saying on breakfast this morning. If you heard Josh, he reckons there'll be three changes to the top eight. One of the teams to slip out will be Richmond. Uh, he also suggested that uh, Sydney and Fremantle will miss the finals. Going on the law of averages, that every year there's three changes. Uh, in the top eight. So our prediction is for the Tigers, unlike Geelong, Father Time catches up on Richmond and they return to their spiritual home ninth on the ladder. So that's our, our prediction for the Tigers. Collingwood, Jordan Degoe puts it all together.
6: Collingwood, 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 yes.
2: Jordan Degoe puts it all together and wins the Brownlow medal. And Geelong. They've been a fantastic team for years. You just have to love
1: him. I'll certainly be in people's faces
5: anybody criticises Gary
2: Ablett. Well, it's not about Gary Ablett. It's about Jeremy Cameron. We need someone to kick 100. It hasn't happened since Buddy in 2008, so we think Jeremy Cameron will. Now, he might not play this weekend, uh, depending on uh, his his partner's expecting their first baby any day, and as he should, he's putting... uh, that before the game on the weekend, so might not play, but we still think even if he only plays twenty one plus finals, uh, he will kick one hundred goals. So get on the line and give us yours now one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A few coming through already on the forty wings. I don't like the I don't like the first one. I don't like the first one. Estenon versus Hawthorne first round clash is the Harley Reed Cup. Now that's just cruel. That's just cruel. No, they're not playing for the number one pick. Uh, In round one, uh, Brad says Hawthorne and North to win under four games combined. Under four games combined. That is very, very bold.
6: Gee, you're a lousy bloke.
2: And uh, Gia says, just switched on the radio and you play Collingwood losing to Geelong. Wow. Well, it was a great game. And they play again this week. And uh, that's what happened last time, Gia. So nothing against Collingwood. It was just uh, to whet the appetite to head of maybe 90,000 at the G on Friday night. It's out of They're also taking your snap judgment. Snap Fitness is on a mission to help you feel fantastic. Uh, we're going with our outlandish 2023 predictions. Uh, Tim from Brighton has jumped on the line. He's going to kick us off this morning. Hey, Tim.
6: Good morning, Jules. My bold prediction for the AFL this year is Tom De Koning will not sign with Carlton, mm. and he'll be he'll be lured to St Kilda, where they desperately need a, a, another ruckman to support um, Rowan Marshall. But the lure will be Stephen Silvani, and the conduit will be Hunter Clark, who'll sell the club to uh, Tom because they played junior footy together at Mount Martha.
2: That's bold, and you've actually thought about that bit. <sighs> Hunter Clark was nearly gone. Is he the right man to, uh, to sell uh, Tom DeConing to the Saints? So, look, he's been linked to everywhere. There's always one every year at the start of the year before we even kick off. This time last year, all the talk was about Luke Jackson. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tom DeConing this year. Because, I mean, this time last year, Luke Jackson was the generational player of the competition. Going to take it by storm. Every club in the competition be desperate to sign or get his signature. And then he had an average year, really, probably. And by the end of the season, there were slows on Luke Jackson. You know, is he worth the seven years? Is he really going to be that good a player? I wonder if the th- same thing can happen with Dom DeConing this year if he doesn't play uh, at his absolute best. But uh, it's certainly going to be uh, an ongoing story for 2023. Thanks for your call, Tim. Before the break, let's get to Tony in Craigieburn. day, Tony. Hey, Tony.
7: Oh, good, mate. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Hello, we've got a bit of hello music going there. of uh, soundtrack and bi-play. That,
2: that's but, right. A Rod at his best. What do you got for us, tone uh, I've got anyway.
7: Look, I'm going to. I'm going to. You had an interesting call in the previous um, program. that said that the Pies will miss the eight altogether. together. Um, I'm going to go. One, I'm going to go against that. I'm going to say that this is the Pies' year. Um, they were a point away from a grand final last year. Um, they. If, I don't know if you've seen the Geelong. Um, Documentary on KO where they um, they said that that game was the hardest game yep, of the year. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and they were they were petrified. I mean, they didn't, but they knew that they were lucky to get over the line in that in that game. And they were the and we saw how far away they were in the grand final. So for me, I'm, I know I'm probably going to come across as being biased, but I reckon this. I've got a sneaking suspicion the Posman actually get up this year.
8: I don't
2: think that's. To be honest, Tony, it's not that bold. I mean, they finished third last year. They lost by a point in the prelim. So, where does the improvement come for Collingwood this year? Is it is it the players you bought in from other clubs out of you know McStay and Hill and and Frampton and Mitchell? Which one or two of those do you think will have the biggest impact for the Pies this year? Uh, well, I, I
7: think we we missed that tall forward going you know that tall target going forward and. Um... I thought uh, getting McStay, he looked like he's gonna be a target. He's gonna give um uh, what do you call it, Brody Maicek a stop yep. out. Um, you know, we've already got good on ball on you know, small smart forwards. Can you just imagine the forward line with Bill Genevan and Elliot um, roving to possibly Coxie, you know, McStay and uh Brody Maicick, you know, those it's, a, it's, a, it's starting to look like a decent half-forward and our defence wasn't it wasn't the issue last year. <laughs> our no defence was actually quite, quite strong. And it, you chuck in a Mitchell, who's an, is an up, you know an under sort of player that can feed the ball out to your Pendlebries, your Dayfosses, your um, Adams, and and you like. Um, it's to me, it just looks like there's have improved way at a site, and they weren't that far away last year.
2: No, it's a good call, Tony, and uh, a lot of that uh, makes a lot of sense. And uh, look, they had that freakish record in close games uh, last year. Look, they probably won't even play in as many close games this year, but certainly, if they do, uh, they've got the confidence that they can get it done at the end. So yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty confident of another good year if I was a Collingwood fan. Tony, you're certainly in the, the running for the $200 BCF voucher. BCF Preston number BCF one.
9: Hey! <laughs> number
2: one for outdoor. Easter fun. Someone's not happy with you. Overkill on the soundbite snippets uh, off the 40 wings temper there, Rod. I don't don't support that. I think you're doing a a wonderful job. Uh, Plenty more your bold predictions after the break. 1-300-736-736 on the open line for EFS delivering simple freight solutions. Reminder, who's coming up on the show? Matt Hill is going to join us in studio after 10. Talk some racing after Well, a horror weekend. Thankfully, uh, the injuries weren't worse for Jamie Carr and Craig Williams, but a pretty frightening day at Flemington on Saturday. We'll also talk some footy with him. He's going to be one of our callers on Thursday night footy. So he'll be in the box Thursday night for Richmond Carlton. Ben Damon. Uh, Will join us to talk about Tim Zhu's fantastic win over Tony Harrison yesterday and former tallback Brooke Rusco on the NBL finals. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now. Welcome back to the show. Julian D'Stoop sitting in for Jared Waitley on this Monday public holiday. The open line for EFS delivering simple freight solutions is Open one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Send us through a 40 Winks temper text 0 98 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. We've got a heap coming through with bold predictions uh, off the 40 Winks temp. Before I read a few more of those out and get to Billy in Ascot Vale, just an update on the golf. Unfortunately, it hasn't been a great morning for Minwoo Lee and Cam Davis. It's all Scotty Scheffler over there at, uh, well, the unofficial Uh, Fifth major, the Players' Championship over at Sawgrass. Uh, He is 17 under, five shots clear of Terrell Hatton, who finished with a 7 under 65 on the final day. He's at 12 under. The two Aussies, Minwoo Lee's four over for the day. Uh, A triple bogey bogey early, really. Put pay to his chances of making a charge. Uh, He's 8 under, and Cam Davis just uh, had a double bogey. He was in a tie for third. Uh, at 10 under, but he's dropped back to 8 under with one hole to play. So, Scotty Scheffler looks like he's going to take out uh, the Players' Championship this year. Just a couple off the 40-wings temper before we get to Billy. Uh, prediction from Peter for the D's. Gorn and Grundy to kick 80 goals between them. So, the one that we came up with, the one that Ben Lyon came up with. Go D's. Let's be honest. Uh, Grundy combined for the most statistically dominant midfield in AFL history as the Ds win the clearance count each week by double figures. Now, I'm not going to read the second part of it because it's ridiculous. So we'll just uh, leave it at that one. And uh, J-Dog, we know, is a big Doggies fan. So he's written, Dogs have unprecedented flexibility, but Bevo will not reveal all of his cards early, expecting to go with a five or six tall rotating forward line, occasionally later in the season with Darcy. Norton, Bruce, and Buku Karmas to all play as swingmen at various stages while supporting Lobb and Yugel Hagen in attack. Norton may even be considered to play the Jeremy Cameron big-bodied mid-forward role at some stage. I was Speaking to a mate that barracks with the Bulldogs said exactly the same thing yesterday. Like to see Norton chucked in at the centre bounce uh, every now and then. So our prediction for the Western Bulldogs is Lobb, Yugel Hagen, and Norton combined for 120 goals.
9: What a start by the Dogs!
2: This season, Billy from Ascot Vale's uh, jumped on the line. Yeah, hey, Billy. Yeah, morning Julian.
9: How are you?
2: I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm
9: good. Yeah, don't you do Yeah, Julian. Just quickly, your opinion on Luke Miller? Um, if he was to leave Gold Coach, do you think a lot of teams will be after him in Melbourne, or maybe just one or
1: two?
3: Because I just think he's very underrated here in Victoria, and um, I'm just very surprised because. I know all the accolades go to Crips and Dangerfield and the Goie and all that, but the guy was only one or two so top of winning the Brownlow, and I just don't think he gets enough recognition. And I was in the Gold Coast just uh, a few weeks back, and I was walking through Surface Paradise
9: and it was packed, and um, he walked past and not one person bleeped or turned around or anything. If that was Dangerfield or Crips walking through, you know, there'd be people
8: wanting photos, staring and everything, but I just think the guy just doesn't get enough recognition.
2: Oh, I think I think the last two years he has got enough recognition. Obviously, it's still a you know a battle on the Gold Coast for for recognition, and you know it's the same thing with uh, GWS. But from the wider footy public, I don't think the praise could be any higher for for Tooke Miller for the last couple of years. Look, if he was on the open market, I think most clubs would be chasing him. The good news for the Gold Coast is at the end of 2021, uh, he signed a five-year extension, so he's basically a son for life. He's contracted until. Uh, The end of 2027. So, speaking of the Gold Coast, our prediction for the Gold Coast was pretty simple. Finals, baby. It's time. The return of Ben King, who bags 50 goals, secures the Suns their maiden finals appearance. Uh, Thanks for your call, Billy. Uh, Let's get to Joe in Roval before the news. Go, Joey. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you?
4: I've got a couple of early predictions. Like um, it, hit Geelong me with them. Will not make, Geelong will not make top four this year.
2: Yeah, so what, Hawthorne's five five to eight or miss the finals altogether?
4: No, they'll make the finals. Yep. Probably six, seven, eight, somewhere around there.
2: Okay, yep.
4: Uh,
5: Hawthorne's going to win a lot more games than what people think. And How many? To Buddy Franklin, I don't uh, probably about the same as last year, maybe a couple more.
2: Okay, yep.
5: And unfortunately for Buddy Franklin, he might not see the year out. I reckon he might have an injury riddled year and he might be calling time before season's end, unfortunately. Uh, I
2: hope that's. It's funny you say that because Peter from Peakhurst uh, has written I predict Buddy Franklin will retire halfway through the year uh, near the bye round for Sydney due to injury. By the, by the way, the Swans will make top four. Uh, that, was from, uh, that was from Pete. Uh, in Peekhurst uh, for calling through, uh, Joey, a $50 Lacabra Cabra voucher for you, the goat of Melbourne Mexican food, Lacabra. Cabra. Uh, so our prediction for the Hawks. It's
6: all beautiful if you're a hawk right now.
2: A-Rod was uh, instrumental behind this one. He thinks the Hawks will surprise the critics and win 10 games uh, in season 2023. Let's get the latest. are going to win. <laughs> a slight overkill on the Hawthorne ones. Hey, Rod, let's get the latest out from the newsroom with Anna Pavlou.
0: the bridge,
2: A bit of Paul Kelly to start your Monday morning. So get on the line. Uh, the best call of today will win a $200 BCF voucher. BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun. We've also got a round of golf for you and free mates at Epic Arena with beverages. Immerse yourself in Epic Golf at Me- Epic Arena. That's Melbourne Road, Newport. Fantastic suburb. Beautiful suburb, of Melbourne. And a $50 Kick-In voucher. Come taste Australia's favourite and messiest seafood restaurant. Book online now at Kick-In. That's dot ncomau And for those that don't follow Arsenal, A-Rod's clearly writing the news updates again. There was actually four Premier League games last night. So for those that you don't follow Arsenal or Fulham, we'll give you the other scores as well. So Arsenal won, of course. They go five points clear. At the top of the table, 3-0 win at Craven Cottage. West Ham out of the relegation zone after a 1-all draw at Aston Villa. Newcastle. Back on the winners list with a 2-1 win over Wolves. And uh, not a great result for Manchester United. uh, Down to 10 men after 36 minutes. Uh, Couldn't break the stalemate at Southampton. So nil all there. So Arsenal back to a five-point lead over Manchester City at the top of the EPL table. Plenty coming through still on the 40-wings But This is an interesting one uh, from Nick in Mill Park. My wild prediction... Given what history says, it is unlikely every coach survives 2023. No coaching changes in 2023. Now, the one that's probably under the most pressure, you'd have to say, in terms of job security would be Ken Hinckley and a few coming through here, um, that the Port Adelaide coach. Oh, come I on. I'd like to ask about Port Adelaide for starters. Oh, me Put it on a platter and he drops it. Um, Saying that, you know, Ken Hinkley's in trouble. One saying if they don't make the finals, uh, he will probably resign. Yeah, if there's no finals this year for Ken Hinkley, uh, it's going to be a bit of trouble coming his way. Uh, Others coming off the 40 Wings temper. Bold prediction from Jeff in Noosa. Nathan Kruger to be fit in the second half of the year and rip the finals to shreds for a Collingwood Premiership. The forgotten player of the Pies. Jason says Nat Fife for Coleman Medal. Now one of the captains predicted Nat Fife uh, to win the Coleman Medal, and Frio to win the Premiership. From Jason, put on your
6: Superman time.
2: Hunter Clark will play next year with his best mate Luke Davies. Uniacke says big rue, and uh, Dean says if Port Adelaide don't make the finals, Ken Hinkley will resign. Uh, Bold prediction is the Gold Coast Suns to make finals for the first time. And Nick says, I think Richmond will win the flag. And Geelong will miss the eight. So, yeah, coaching, that's interesting. We might actually have a year where there isn't a coaching change. Most are locked away for a while. um, And uh, you'd have to say Ken Hinkley. Adam Simpson's interesting. They'd want a good year for the Eagles. I think he'd be the next in line. But uh, you've got four new coaches. They're they're all safe. Johnny Longmire's... uh, already extended uh, this year. So he's well, he wasn't going anywhere anyway. Um, we know Luke Beveridge got his extension uh, before the end of last year. Uh, so he's uh, safe at the Dogs for a couple more years. So he could be right. That might not be that bold after all. And maybe we'll have a year uh, where there are no coaching changes. Now, uh, of course, we're building up to Thursday night, Richmond versus Carlton. Good to see Dion Prestia uh, trained strongly yesterday. Looks like the Tigers will be without uh, Jaden Short, who's become a really important player for them uh, over the last uh, couple of years. A few injury concerns uh, down at Carlton, as we know, they're they're without uh, Sam Walsh. Uh, And, of course, we saw young Jesse Motlop just running laps yesterday, but the the Blues expect him to be okay. Geelong, uh, selection will be interesting. Does Tom Hawkins play? Does he get named? You'd have to think it's probably more unlikely than not. Didn't partake in full... Training yesterday, we know Jeremy Cameron uh, is fit and firing but might not play depending on um, his partner is due to give birth to their first child uh, any day now. And we know Mitch Duncan's been over in Adelaide um, just doing uh, some strength and rehab on on his uh, calf injury. So uh, Mitch Duncan hasn't had the best summer either. So Mark Blitzarves, uh yesterday spoke uh, down at Geelong first of all about uh, taking on the pies and then Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron.
0: The atmosphere against
3: Collingwood at the G's is always immense and, and loud. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just going to be, I suppose, that bit extra. And, yeah, we're really lucky that we get we get to play in these games. That's probably the discussions with him, the medicos and the coaches for what's best for him for this season. But he's looking good out there. Yeah, he'll prioritise that, and as he should too. So, um, yeah, if that happens, then so be it.
2: That was Mark Blitzer's yesterday. Speaking of Mark Blitzarves, our prediction for Fremantle is that Luke Jackson becomes an All-Australian, dominating in a Mark Blitzarves-style role. So that probably won't please Melbourne supporters if that happens, but it'd be great for Frio. Uh, just a couple of other predictions here before we get to the break. We'll get to Peter from Doreen uh, after the break. Uh, Saints top four, says Boris. Now, that is bold. That is Some really...
0: The fans like it. They
2: <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. The Suns will start 1-9 and nine and Jewel will get sacked. That's a bit negative. Uh, prediction, Geordie to go to win the Brownlow will average over 30 and kick more than 40. Primed and ready. Ollie from Italy. Oh, that's nice. Tuning in from uh, Italy on uh, Sen Rome. No, we had a station over there, but uh, the app's firing in Italy at the moment. Okay, let's get another breakaway. Well, Pete from, from Doreen will get to you on the other side. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV, it's in stock now. This one gets me to 32, so I'm in the, I'm in the twilight, unfortunately. Hopefully can get a flag and sail off into the twilight. It'd be nice, so it'd be good. There's no point putting on extra pressure on the kid. He's, he's trying to play great footy for us, and um, I'm more focused on that than I am um, when he signs on the dotted line. Now, Sam Docherty firstly discussing his contract extension, then talking uh, Tom DeConing's future. Uh, one of the, well, you'd have to say so far, the most talked about, out of contract player in 2023, Coszy Pickett, probably another one that's got a bit of talk over summer, but uh, Tom DeConin gets his first chance to shine against the Tigers at the MCG on Thursday night. On our cafe menu today, race caller and AFL Nations Thursday night commentator Matty Hill's going to join us in studio after 10. Boxing commentator Ben Damon to talk Tim Zhu, former tallback Brooke Rusko on the NBL Finals. We're going to Game 5 after the breakers defeated the Kings by 10 points yesterday. We're going to talk some V8s too uh, later in the show. First round, controversial first round uh, in Newcastle, particularly for the defending champion Shane Van Gisbergen. and a whole new era of V8 supercars. So James Moffat, who's a big part of the SEN team, uh, will join us in the final hour. But let's get to Pete in Doreen. I'm sure he's having a great public holiday. Uh, G'day, Pete. Hey,
6: mate, how are you? Good.
2: What's on um, for the uh, public holiday Monday? Well, I
6: was just going to go for a drive and see if the Bombers were training today. I don't know where they are. I just have a look at them. I haven't had a look at them yet. Uh, they probably know, yeah. are
2: training today, I would have thought.
6: Yeah, they normally start about 10.30, but being that a Bomber supporter like yourself, um, we've got a fairly good Early draw the first four rounds, yep. and I'd be very disappointed as a bomber supporter if we don't turn 3 1 after four rounds. If we get four, we'd be, it'd be a bonus, but um, I think it all depends against Hawthorne what they show. If they lose, go 2 and 2, I think we're going to be in for a tough year, but if we can get off to a good start, and then you've got Collingwood, you look at them, they've got a pretty hard first four. They'd be happy if they finished two and two, but I reckon they'll finish one and three losses. So that's going to put them under the punt, but you never know what momentum will do. Like, even with us, the Bombers, if we can get four zip in the first four, and then we play Melbourne in Adelaide Oval, and then we've got Collingwood and G. Yes, in Collingwood game, we could be 4-1, and they could be 4-1 and uh, 1-4. So it'd be quite interesting see what's going to happen and then we still haven't played north we're going to play north twice I think we play west coast twice as well and we haven't played them yet so that could be another four wins so we could finish with 10 I don't think we'll make the eight but I want to see some growth I don't want to see what we put up against St Hilda in that practice game that was a pretty no contact game and we had a lot of our midfielders fighting it up for the ball amongst ourselves like Shield and, and McGrath, a lot of times they were going for the same ball getting in each other's way. There's got to be more communication with the midfielders
2: I feel. Yeah, it wasn't that wasn't a great outing for the bombers. I don't know how much we read into these uh practice matches. Uh it look on it's hard to know what's a good draw. I mean on twenty twenty two's form it looks like a decent draw, but You know, last year you would have said if you had Collingwood in the first month, that was a decent draw, and we know what they went on to do. So the Bombers' first four, Hawthorne at the MCG, Gold Coast at Marble, St Kilda at the MCG, and the Giants uh, at Marble. So, yeah, on paper that looks okay, and the Essendon slow starts of been a killer for Essendon for a long time now. So they'll certainly be looking to hit the ground running, but always tough against the Hawks arch rivals Sunday at the MCG. So um, who knows what's in store for Essendon. It's really hard to get a read. I think most Essendon supporters just want to see a team that's hard to beat and uh, an obvious style. And uh, hopefully the wins uh, will come off the back of that. Thanks for your call, Pete. And then of course, as you say, the gather round, which is uh, amazing ticket sales for gather round and, uh, well, has never lost to Melbourne at Adelaide Oval, so they'd be very confident uh, they could win that game. Ben's totally missed that. That's okay. Uh, injury update uh, from the Saints. Unfortunately, not good news. Tim Membry has been ruled out of round one. He's been ruled out this morning. Um, so he had that uh, knee surgery a couple of weeks ago. There's a doubt on Seb Ross as well. With a calf injury, we know there's, uh, you know, Max King is out and uh Hayes is out as well, Jack Hayes, after an injury over the summer. Unfortunately, uh, another injury blow for the Saints. Nick Coffield, who's returning from a knee reconstruction, suffered in the pre-season last year. Injured his calf at training la- late last week. The strain will likely see the 23-year-old out for four to six weeks. So it's, a, it's another cruel blow for the Saints, and particularly uh, for Nick Coffield uh, coming off that knee reconstruction uh, last year. So... Not a great start in terms of uh, personnel uh, for the Saints. And uh, yeah, it's not good reading their injury list uh, so far. So the Dockers first up uh, for the Saints at Marvel Stadium. Ross Lyon coming up against his former team. Uh, get on the line throughout the morning. Our best caller today, a $200 BCF voucher. BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun. We've also got a round of golf for you and three mates at Epic Arena with beverages. Immerse yourself in Epic Golf Arena. Epic Golf at Epic Arena. Uh, that's in Newport and a $50 kick in voucher. Come Taste, Australia's favourite and messiest seafood restaurant. Book online now at kickin.com. Let's get a breakaway. Plenty coming through uh, on the 40 Wings temper text with their bold predictions. We'll read some of those after the break. Just a reminder, on our McCafe menu, after 10, race caller and AFL Nation commentator Matty Hill will drop in the studio to chat some racing and chat some footy. This is Waitley for Host Plus. And Hyundai Tucson, tomorrow's SUV, it's in stock now. Welcome back to the show. After 10 o'clock, Matt Hill will join us in studio all over at the Players' Championship. Comfortable five-shot win for Scotty Scheffler, three under in the final round. Terrell Hatton, uh, the Englishman, charged up the leaderboard with a seven under final round. He finished second on 12 under the two Aussies, Minwoo Lee and Cam Davis. Tie for sixth, both eight under Minwoo Lee, plus four in the final round. Cam Davis plus plus Two. So all over the Players' Championship. Sam Kerr did it again last night. A beautiful goal uh, led Chelsea to a 1-0 win and a top-of-the-table clash against Manchester United. And good news for the Vicks has just come through. Scott Boland has been added uh, to the Victorian squad for their match against Western Australia in Perth. So the Vicks trying to make it through to the Shield final against WA, who have been confirmed as the host of the final. They're in a battle with Queensland at the moment. Queensland currently sitting in second place with a point three six lead over Victoria in third. Queensland faced Tasmania in Hobart uh, in their final round match. Uh, but good news for the Vicks. Uh, getting Scotty Boland back. And just on the Saints, if you have a look at their injury list right now. So no memory for round one. Windhager, test, but should be okay with that hand injury. Ross is out for a couple with a calf. Now Caulfield out four to six with a calf. Billing six to nine with a broken leg. Max King six to nine with his shoulder. Um, Hayes 10 to 12 with his foot. And then you got indefinite McKenzie. Zach Jones, indefinite with an Achilles. Young Allison, an indefinite with a foot injury. Ollie Hotton, one of their high draftees, indefinite uh, with a back injury as well. So not great reading for the Saints. Just a couple more predictions uh, before we get to the news. Bold prediction. Cats go undefeated, undefeated all year. And not only go back-to-back, they win three in a row. Early last year, I called up and predicted the Cats would win the flag. The next five callers laughed. And he says George from G-Town and Max Gorn wins the Norm Smith and during his speech as premiership captain makes a point of highlighting Brody Grundy's huge contribution on and off the field this year. Welcome back to the show Julian Destoop, sitting in for Jared Waitley on this public holiday Monday. Just a reminder Dwayne Russell coming up at 12 and then will return for day 5 of the 5th test. Uh, looking like a draw at this stage but it all begins on SEN test cricket at 2.30 this afternoon. Another test match going on, well it should be but unfortunately July Due to rain, uh, it is delayed. So New Zealand uh, one for twenty-eight as they try and uh, win that Test match uh, against Sri Lanka. Uh, So rain has delayed play there. Joining us in studio now, man has got a well. He's always got a big week with his racing commitments, but now it's uh, footy as well. Matt Hill, hello, Matty. Jules, good
0: to uh, good to talk to you. Good to be with you. See, it's crept up on us, hasn't Doesn't it? The footy it creep season up quick? just driving in, listening to the Mike Brady tunes. You're pumping <laughs> us up beautifully. Can't wait Thursday night footy.
2: How do you go calling footy? How, do, is it? Uh, do you find it as as difficult as racing? How different is it to, to calling a game of footy than it is calling a big race?
0: Well, it's completely different, really. Uh, in a horse race, they wear different colours, don't they? Mm. They don't on a footy field. Um, but some of the disciplines are, are completely the same. And then there's some that are just completely different. Um, I find uh, the challenge for me is you don't want to call a footy game like a horse race. Mm. You don't want to sound like a, a yeah. race caller. So there's that little bit of adjustment that you have to always think about uh, when you're calling the different different sports. But, um, I mean, uh, Melbourne, you know, brought up in, in the western suburbs of Melbourne – um, it's not Melbourne without the footy on, mm. uh, and now we feel like, uh, the heart beats back in Melbourne this week, don't we? It's, it's, uh, just fantastic to uh, be able to get into the, into the city and everyone's wearing their scarves and catching the trains and going to the footy. So can't wait.
2: So regular on Thursday night footy this year, I tell you what, you got some absolute crackers to start the season oh, on Thursday sure. night. Uh, none bigger than Richmond cult but if you look at that first month, there's yeah. just huge games on a yeah, Thursday night, yeah, which, which
0: it should be. It and should Carlton, be a marquee Geelong, night second week yeah. as well. Um, i will be fascinated to see, you know, if you, you start from the grand final backwards, um, how Geelong, they were just imperious in that grand final. Can they back it up? How does Sydney recover mm. after getting an absolute belting? Um, Richmond, an interesting couple of, uh, you know, uh, new names, Taranto and Hopper. Carlton started last year so well. Yeah. And interesting to hear that you're saying there's a, maybe a little injury uh, cloud on a couple of it Got
2: them. a couple, yeah.
0: So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out on Thursday night, but uh, we we won't know until we uh, we kick it off, really. You called footy with Jared before? I have, mm. eight years ago wow. uh, on the ABC. So uh, he's an absolute joy to work with, so can't wait. Uh, we'll be nice and pumped up by 7 o'clock on Thursday night.
2: Absolutely. Uh, racing on the way, it was a scary weekend, two weekends in a row now with, with nasty race falls. Mm. How, how do you go as a caller when you see something like... That well, happens. It's,
0: it's difficult because you you know the participants. Um, some of them are your friends, uh, and also uh, you love the sport dearly. So uh, to see that twice in a week, uh, it's it's unusual. It is very unusual, uh, and and there's no rhyme and reason to it. There's there's no reason why we had it. It was just competitive racing and. Uh, Jamie Carr, uh, we're still waiting for mm. news uh, today. She's still heavily sedated, um, but the, she has been cleared of any uh, brain issues, which is great. No fractures. So we just, uh, we hope and pray. Uh, Craig Williams, uh, he's got the a broken collarbone, has uh, surgery tomorrow. But it, it's amazing how um, we have jockeys just drive to the races and they really don't know what's going to happen in that afternoon. And all of a sudden, they're on the deck and they're in intensive care. It's it's scary. I think Josh Jenkins made a good point this morning. It's the only sport in the world where an ambulance follows you around yeah. while you participate. It is.
2: Which, yeah. which shows how, how scary it is. What about, how often do we get jockeys concussed? We know concussion is such a serious issue in, in world sport at the moment. Clearly, this is a, a really bad one for Jamie Carr. So I know it's hard. We don't know yet, but... She
0: could be out of the saddle for a while, couldn't she? Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, I mean, uh, we need her in racing too. She's such a draw card and uh, uh, she's such a pin-up girl in the sport and, and a fantastic rider. Mm. um she's a very modern school jockey so uh, a lot of the um jockeys of the past uh they all tend to ride horses quite tactically you know they'll pull them back in the field or or uh rush them forward and then pull them back whereas jamie cartis lets them run she goes on pure feel mm. and uh, so she's very much the modern age jockey and um you know, there's that element uh, of ambiguity about her too. She she keeps to herself. Uh, we don't really know what she's thinking sometimes, and that adds to the mystique mm. of Jamie Carr. But uh, she's just such a great jockey, and uh, when she gets on a roll, she's she's unbeatable. Uh, but it it just shows you how quickly it can happen. So on the reverse on Saturday, Dean Holland, yeah. who's a jockey that uh, floats around, a lot of the provincial riders, terrific rider, great guy. Uh, he would never in his wildest dreams would have thought he was rocking up to Flemington on Saturday and pick up a Group 1 ride on a star like In Secret. So uh, it, it, that's the roundabout of racing, and... Um, it's the greatest leveler of all time. Um, the ups and downs of that sport. Are, uh, one minute you're crying, one minute you're laughing, it's cruel.
2: Yeah, and you could tell he certainly had mixed feelings about it sure. afterwards, which yeah. you would understand. And I guess the, the thing being a caller for you as well, I mean, I guess in, in footy, for example, or, or cricket, we get a big injury and everything stops and you can yeah. sort of take some time, but you have to keep calling the race. So you've yeah, probably got right. no idea what's going on
0: behind. No, absolutely. And, and for the jockeys as well, and... and You talked about racing being the only sport where ambulances follow the field. I reckon it's probably... I can't think of another sport. Uh, There might be one out there where the competitors, mates, they sit in the same room together, but then they go out onto the track and they're complete rivals. Mm. And they might bash into each other, yell at each other on the track. Next minute, they're back in the room sitting next to each other again uh like colleagues I, I can't think of another sport that's like that maybe swimming you see the shots of them sitting in yeah. the room before and having a chat and then they mm. they race but yeah so it's a, it's a different sport altogether uh racing and it's um yeah fascinating how it, it pans out and
2: it's yeah it was tough for all the jockeys there on the weekend but i guess you got a feel for ben malum as well i mean that's his partner
0: he for goes sure. out and wins the next race yeah. and then he's off to hospital yeah you know, and how could you possibly concentrate uh, with that in the back of your mind? But they know the risks. That's the other part of uh, a jockey's psyche. They know the risks, uh, so they have to get on with it. Uh, but I, I certainly sympathise with Ben. There's no doubt he uh, he would have uh, the last thing he would have wanted to do is ride those last two horses on the weekend. Mm.
2: Now, and it definitely overshadowed the racing on the weekend, as it should. But uh,
0: mm. in secret, won the new market. H- how good's this horse? she's a star. Now she's done it twice. She's backed it up. And her win in the Coolmore last spring and in the Newmarket were virtually identical. She's, she's thrashed them. So uh, these races, Jules, the, the Lightning Stakes was run a couple of weeks ago and the Newmarket have been great guides for horses heading overseas to say Royal Ascot in June. Yep. So we've got two or three horses now. I think Private Eye who ran fourth in the Newmarket and you could argue was one of the best runs in the race. I think it's heading there. Um, Cool and Gatter's a chance to head there. Jamie Carr would have been riding her, so I'm sure uh, Jamie, that was her dream to ride at Royal Ascot. Uh, So Anamo, our our champ, uh, is probably heading there for the Princess of Wales Stakes. So we're going to have a real uh, ammunition head there in June. Uh, So in secret, uh, she's a filly, she's uh, she's young, so uh, we're going to see a lot more of her, hopefully, and... uh, we do get behind our sprinters in Australia Mm. because we have the best sprinters in the world.
2: Matt Hill joins us in the studio chatting some racing and also footy. You can hear him with Jared Waitley and the team on Thursday night on AFL Nation for the season opener between Richmond and Carlton. In terms of the other racing on the weekend, any other... Eye-catching performances?
0: Yes. So we uh, we had a horse uh, called What You Need win earlier in the day. So that's trained by Mick Price and Michael Kent, Jr. But now we, we turn our attention to the All-Star Mile at Moonee Valley on Saturday. So $5 million race, uh, a unique race. Uh, the field, virtually the entire field, uh, bar for a couple of wild cards, or five wild cards exactly, um, voted by the public. So this race on Saturday was derived uh, from a race in Japan that they run uh, at Christmas time where the public vote for the field and they could put their favourite horses in. And it was a new idea. It's the fifth running at Moonee Valley this weekend. As I say, $5 million and... uh Absolutely massive prize money, and we've got some very good milers too. And uh, the build-up has been going for a couple of months, so I'm expecting a, a big crowd. Yeah. Weather's going to be good. I think about 28 degrees on Saturday, so it's going to be big.
2: Fifth year of it. It's it's a great concept, and I can I can see while it's sort of why there's a lot of enthusiasm around. It. Has, it, has it captured everyone's Im- imagination yet? This race.
0: Well, it's hard to say if it's captured people's imaginations because certainly enough people are voting for their favourite horses. Uh, the one uh, thing about the Star Mile, which is in its favour, is that you always get a good field. So mm. the winners of it so far have been very good. The, the, the races themselves have rated very well. So Mystic Journey won the first one. Uh, Zaki won it last year, who was one of our best horses at the time. So the race itself never disappoints. So that's a, a good start. Uh, has it captured the imagination like the Everest has? It's hard to say because they're two separate races and the Everest was designed for a different audience. Mm. But overall, I think the All-Star Mile has a bit of everything. It's got that public interest with the voting. It's a good, really good race. And it changes tracks every year mm. as well, which I find really interesting. So all in all, uh, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a bit of a believer. It's a bit like hearing a song for the first time. It grows on you. And yes. they're the hits usually. Yes. The one that you uh, like at first, uh, you tend to forget about after a while. So uh, I think it's definitely growing on the public and will continue to do so. Who do you like this year?
2: I mean, it's another very good field. On paper,
0: it is, and Mo- well, as you say, Mooney Valley is that's a different aspect to it. It is, and sometimes people get confused with Mooney Valley. They think that it's always a leaderish track, but I I think that they're going to go really hard in it. There's a lot of speed in it, so there's going to be a couple of horses that are at a price, like Pounding, for instance, trained by Peter Moody, who could be a real blowout at a, at a big price. Um So. And, of course, you've got horses like Alligator Blood. That They should make a movie about that horse. He's <laughs> yes. had a remarkable yeah. life. He's had a remarkable life. He's uh, won five group ones, should have won seven. He's nearly died once. He's had uh, controversial uh, ownership disputes. He, he wasn't allowed to race in Melbourne at one point. Uh, he can certainly be right there when it, the whips are cracking and, and nice and tough at the end. So it's all in all set up to be a classic race.
2: So obviously no Jamie Carr. Daniel Moore has been booked for I'm Thunderstruck. Just In general, how much of a difference does a jockey change make?
0: Well, it depends because sometimes the jockeys with these good horses are with them all the time. Mm. So uh, uh, someone like uh, Jamie Carr knows uh, I'm Thunderstruck relatively well. Um, But then look what happened on Saturday with Dean Holland. Mm. Uh, He wasn't expecting to ride in secret. I think sometimes... Uh, a little bit like when you're nervous for something, if you have the sleep the night before, you overthink it. Whereas if you just jump on a horse and and l- the the least you know, the better. Uh, so it look that's a it's it's a hard question to answer, but. Uh sometimes uh it, it does help when the jockey knows the horse well. Shane Dyer, that famous ride with Viander Cross in the Caulfield Cup, he'll he'll <laughs> he tell would, he you that he, he 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 will tell you that he didn't know the horse that well and the horse fired up on him and that's the reason why he ended up taking that horse that wide in, in, the, the, in the Caulfield Cup in the <laughs> uh, in the Corfield Cup. So uh sometimes yeah, it, it it that's the tricky one. Daniel Moore has never ridden I'm thunderstruck, so um, you know, it we'll see how it pans out. But he's another horse that could hit the line really hard in an all-star mile. Mooney Valley doesn't suit him. He probably should have won the Cox Plate last year. So, you know, um, it's it's up for grabs. It's anybody's race. Mm.
2: What do you make of this battle right now between Melbourne and Sydney racing? We've seen, you know, Melbourne's dominated the spring and Sydney's hit back pretty hard, you know, highlighted by the Everest. How do you feel... Melbourne Victoria's racing shapes up in the autumn when you know that really is has been Sydney's
0: time to shine and we've got the golden slipper not too far away, yeah, for sure. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, I think. Um, but Melbourne, um, we, we just continue on what we're doing and we've got the time on it. Races the new market that was run on Saturday was the 150th running, and uh, races like the Australian Cup they're tried and true. Uh, the Melbourne Cup, I mean, you just can't beat the Melbourne Cup. Uh, And you you can see, uh, you know, I mean, if you're running a business, you're going to try and do the best you possibly can for your Mm. own business. So I can see what Sydney's trying to do. But it is a shame because there was something special about the Melbourne jockeys going up to Sydney to try and win their races and then vice versa. And their horses, of course, vice versa in in the Melbourne spring when we'd see the Sydney horses. So we don't get that anymore. Uh, We're almost like two countries at the moment. And unfortunately, we don't have a three-hour program to talk about the politics <laughs> yes, of Yes, uh, there's August. a lot in it. <laughs> but the racing's still fantastic. The prize money as a result is massive. So the owners, jockeys, trainers are getting the benefit of that and they've got more options. Unfortunately for the, the punter, uh, it's just diluting the product a little bit. Mm.
2: If you, this might sound like a silly question. But have you got a favourite racetrack to call at? I mean, I know Flemington's the big one with all the big races, but yes. if you got a track you really enjoy?
0: Yeah, I think Flemington. Mm. I think there's just something grandiose about Flemington, and uh, I'm a bit of a commentary nerd, I suppose. So the great thing about Flemington is that beautiful public address system. Uh, mm-hmm. It bellows out. Yep. You could You could hear it in Footscray. It's so loud. <laughs> it is. And, <laughs> uh, such a big racecourse, and it's not the easiest racecourse to call at. But it's uh, it's a little bit like a golfer. You want to play Augusta, don't you? Or a tennis player, you want to play Wimbledon. So you want to take on the, the the beast of Flemington Racecourse when you're when you're a but, um, yeah, it's, it's not a silly question at all. i I'd definitely say Flemington mm. for me.
2: Now, you, you're creating history here on the 40 Winks Temp because all the feedback for you is positive, which oh, never really? happens. So, oh, so I heard Matt coy. commentate a few games uh-huh. last season, and he was awesome. Obviously a natural on the mic. Matty was a superstar last year. Looking forward to hearing him on the big stage on Thursday night, says Brad. Now, we are to got to get you. Everyone's doing their predictions right now mm. for footy. So I need your tip for the flag and your brown low for this year.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to say uh, I think the Bulldogs will go close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Sydney will probably go close as well. I'm going a very generic. Uh, mm-hmm. That's okay. It's, it's uh, pretty tough yeah. at the moment. And oh, gee, a Brownlow. Could we have a back to backer? Why not? I think it's been we can. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Go Crips,
2: Crips again. There you go. Then who's going to win Thursday night? Richmond. But I think it's going to be a really good match. I think the whole round is difficult. Mm. It's not one game you go, yeah, they'll win. It's yeah, that's very, very true, tough. actually. Even games like you know, Giants-Adelaide. Yeah. That didn't look that sexy a month ago. That's a good game now with what Adelaide's done in the preseason. So uh, looking, forward to, hey, looking forward to hearing you on the mic uh, every Thursday night. So we have more
0: Mike Brady? Give us a bit more Mike Come on, Brady. what do you got
2: for us here, We're... eh, Rod? Right as we uh, send uh, Matty Hill on his way. i going to pump myself what up. What do you got for us? Look out, he's scrambling now. You've Sorry, caught him oh, on the right, hop. You've him caught, on the him, on the board. Sorry, caught him on the hop. There you go. More positive feedback. Mr. Matt Hill commentating footy. Oh, great appointment me, again blush. from SEN. <laughs> there you go. Come on, eh, Rod?
0: Oh, no, he's in all sorts. That's all right. It's That's in fine. all
2: sorts. Uh, Matty, thanks for coming. No, in. look forward to, to Thursday Jules. night. Good
0: on you. Good to see you.
2: This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now
0: that is another wicket so they have lost the final one
2: but maharaj has gone down i think in celebration here is it maharaj he hit the deck
1: very quickly in celebration it is my goodness this is unusual
0: yeah it certainly looks like achilles pain on his face suggests that he has done something really really bad to that achilles tendon by the looks of it yeah that's not how a celebration should end sad scenes here guess of maharaj being put on a stretcher a very unusual injury,
2: and it's a terrible one for uh, the South African spinner, Maharaj. Torn Achilles tendon celebrating a wicket uh, against the West Indies on the weekend. Still no play over in Christchurch. Uh, New Zealand won for 28, day five delayed. to Rain, just a question too. What do you want to see the Aussies do today? On day five, the series is over. Yes, we can tie the series, but the Border Gavaskar Trophy is India's, even if it is a two-all draw. We know we've already booked our spot uh, in the World Test Championship Final, so do we go for it? Do we just be really aggressive and try and set an awkward target for the Indians, or do you think this is just going to play out as a pretty uh, meek draw. Uh, what you'd like to see, give us a call, one we are still taking your bold predictions. We've got uh, a round of golf for you and three mates at Epic Arena with beverages. Immerse yourself in Epic Golf at Epic Arena and a $50 kick-in voucher to give away Come Taste, Australia's favourite and messiest seafood restaurant. Book online now at In K-I-C-K-I-N, I-double-N, The best call today will win a $200 BCF voucher. BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun.
9: fun. Hey!
2: Still to come on our Cafe Menu, Ben Damon's going to join us very shortly to look back at Tim Zo's big win uh, yesterday, a TKO in the ninth round. We're going to talk some V8s with James Moffat and some NBL with former tall, tall black Brooke Rusco as we go to game five uh, in the NBL Championship Series in Perth, uh, in Perth, in Sydney. On Wednesday night, after the Breakers hit back yesterday with a 10 point win over the Sydney Kings. Plenty still coming through on our 40 wings Temper Tech 0433 98 11 16. Temper a mattress like no other with our bold predictions. Our Joe says expect the Demons and Lions to be 1 and 2 by round 10. Blues and Suns to make the 8 Cats and Tigers to make prelims. Oliver to win the Brownlow. Gordon and Grunty to kick 60 between them and win every clearance stat by double figures. Jack Revolt for the Coleman. Three days to go, go Tigers, says Joe in Mooney Ponds. Uh, Go Tigers. Essendon signed Ben Mackay and Tom Deconing for 2024. They have heaps of money in their bank, uh, says Mookas from Strathmore. Uh, Zook says, if you're saying the three Western Bulldogs guys kick 120 between them, that means you're just saying they're playing in the granny. No way. 90 goals max. Uh, Dom... The gulf between the top tier and bottom tier is even greater this year, so the final eight more than likely remains the same. Yawn, says Dom, Well, history says there'll be more. There, there won't be the same top eight. It doesn't happen. Someone will have a bad run with injury, or fall away, and someone will rise up. Maybe even from the bottom four. I, I can't see that happening this year in terms of a bottom four team from last year racing up like a Collingwood did, and we've seen others do in the past, like Richmond. Uh, in 2017. Um, But history says they do. Uh, I predict Collingwood, Carlton, Richmond and Melbourne will play in the preliminary finals. What a weekend in Melbourne. This is a a different prediction. Gill's replacement will be a woman. There you go. Gill can't find the right candidate. Um, So, uh, he said Steve Hocking went to Geelong when he knew, and Brad Scott went to the Bombers. I'm not sure that is the case, but who knows? The AFL is still saying there's five, or they told clubs there's still five to six uh, in the running. Um, we, you know, Last week was reported by Pete Ryan it was down to three, Andrew Dillon, Travis Older, Brendan Gale. But the AFL, as Sam Edmund told us late last week when they meet the CEOs, that there was still five to six in the running. So there's no doubt there could be one or two women uh, in that list. Just one here on the cricket uh or a couple on the cricket. I don't think we can achieve anything by getting bowled out," says Stephen. Uh, "Jules, we won't win today at all. All we can do is lose. I want to see a good, strong batting performance from Head, Marnus Smith, and Carey in particular. Desperately needs run. Yeah, he, has, he had a good series uh, with the gloves, but not a great series uh, with the bat for Alex Carey so far. Okay, plenty more coming up after the break. Ben Damon, uh, not too far away. But let's get the latest from Anna in the newsroom. <laughs> I've gone away from the footy anthems all of a sudden. Hey, uh, Rob, uh, thank you very much, uh, Anna. Just uh, on those uh, Premier League scores, if you missed them, Arsenal 3, Fulham nil, Villa 1, West Ham 1, Newcastle 2, Wolves 1 and a scoreless draw between Southampton and Manchester United. And uh, in the Women's uh, Premier League, uh, Sam Kerr with a each of a goal. A little lob uh, in a 1-0 win for Chelsea over Manchester United. That was a top-of-the-table clash. Chelsea go back to the top. Uh, Sam Kerr getting the job done again. Now, uh, Dave from Richmond's jumped on the open line for EFS. Go, Dave.
7: Good morning. I've just uh, come across this thing about Collingwood getting reserve bays of seating for away games for some of their more like affluent members. And... I've never heard of such a, a, a ridiculous sort of uh, setup, where the away team gets access to the home team's ground and just to put a caveat over basically certain areas of the ground.
2: Well, it was a deal they done. They did when they uh, when the new Ponsford Dam was opened uh, way back in about two thousand and six, I think it was. Look, it is going to scale down, and there's been plenty of talks between Collingwood, the AFL, and the other MCG tenants. So look. First in, first serve for Collingwood. Doesn't seem right, but that was the agreement, and the agreement was at, up at the end of this year, and therefore uh, there will be some changes coming. got to say, too, well under Jeff Brown and Collingwood. Uh, finally, I think you'd have to say some common sense uh, presented itself with uh, Port Adelaide being able to wear their prison bar Guernsey for their home showdown. Now, it's for this year only. Let's hope that's what is the case. Every year going forward, and let's hope from Port Adelaide's point of view as well that this is the end of it. No, don't push for more than once a year and in every showdown. This this is a this is a good compromise uh, between the two clubs. Uh, so I think it's well done under Jeff Brown and and the Collingwood hierarchy uh, for coming up with this. And let's just make it for every year home showdown, Port Adelaide where the prison bars. And we don't have to talk about it again. I'm not sure if all Collingwood fans feel the same. I think on the run home, we've opened this up a couple of times. And to be honest, most Collingwood fans probably thought this was the way it should go. I know Eddie Maguire and... Previous administration saw it differently, but I think most Collingwood fans now uh, think this is the right thing to do. So what well under Jeff Brown and the Collingwood hierarchy for striking that agreement uh, with Port Adelaide on the weekend day for your call, a fifty-dollar kick-in voucher. Come taste Australia's favourite and messiest seafood restaurant. Book online now at KickIn. That's dot au. Okay, coming up on the other side of the break. Ben Damon, uh, who uh, called the fight yesterday. Tim Zhu, a fantastic victory over Tony Harrison with a TKO in the ninth round. Melbourne's weather today for the public holiday Monday, partly cloudy, top of 24. That's for City Power, Cook Street Roadworks, Fisherman's Bend, D2 is in place already. It's a nice top of
4: 23. Stopped, and it's
3: real it is all real the have been destroyed
2: great call by Ben Damon and the main event team yesterday plenty of love for Tim Zhu coming off our 40 winks uh temper before we get to Ben uh, Zhu was super impressive yesterday as composed as it gets it looks as he he could have fought a 20 round fight probably Tim Zhu's best ever performance yesterday He looked so composed throughout every round and clearly had a plan in which he executed perfectly. As Ben Damon joins us this morning. Morning, Ben.
3: Yeah, morning, Jules. Um, Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, Certainly his best performance ever and by quite some way as well. So he just keeps getting better every time uh, the challenge gets uh, more difficult. Tim Zhu rises to the occasion and yesterday was uh, something really special.
2: Were you expecting him to be that dominant yesterday or did you think it would be a bit of a closer fight?
3: Uh, I did predict a late round stoppage so I guess uh, that's what happened but um, uh, Tony Harrison is a a world class boxer and um, his jab was on point. Uh, It was probably the punch of the fight, the jab of Harrison but the power punching of Tim Zhu was just something else and um, I think he showed that if you can't provide more than a jab, if you can't hit him with big shots then you are just no chance of keeping him away from you. He's so fit, so motivated, so strong and and so powerful that um, ultimately he's going to get to you at some point, And that's what he did with Tony Harrison. So um, I think in Australia, we weren't altogether surprised with what happened. But certainly in the US, where they had uh, big question marks around the quality of Zoo, um, they were shocked because Tony Harrison, uh, for them, was meant to beat Tim Zoo. And as it turned out, he got himself battered.
2: Looking at some of the reaction, though, Ben, from the US, yes, some were surprised, but it seems like some weren't that impressed as well.
3: Uh, Yeah, I'm surprised to to see some of that reaction, but um, I think Jamel Charlo is probably the one trying to play it down, and Mm. fair enough, because he doesn't want to be thinking uh, he's about to go in with a killer. He'd rather think uh, that Tony Harrison was washed up, and maybe that he'd broken him apart when he stopped him uh, a few years ago, and, and that it was a shadow of the former Harrison. But uh, no one was thinking that before the fight, so uh, it's convenient for people to lean on that after the fact. But uh, yeah, certainly Harrison uh, was uh, was a very strong opponent. Um, he's world class. He's only 32 years of age, and. Uh, it's not as though he'd been um, beaten up in his last couple of fights. He was he was coming in in some form. So um, yeah, Charlie might want to play it down, but um, he's going to have to face Tim Zoo, and that's going to be an almighty fight. It's been
2: a Ben Damon main event commentator about Tim Zoo after his great win over Tony Harrison yesterday. Before we look ahead to what's next for Tim Zoo, there has been a bit of feedback this morning, both on breakfast and, and on our program this morning, suggesting did did that fight go on one punch too long? Should it, should that have been a stopped? a fraction of a second earlier.
3: Yeah, potentially um, the referee could have jumped in and just stopped uh, those last couple of punches from from getting through. Um, Tony Harrison found himself in a really awkward position. He turned his head while he was sort of um, uh, leaning against the ropes and half bent over. And, and Tim Zou did hit him with a couple of really menacing shots, one in the back of the head while he was uh, in the position of uh, just sort of being being uh, there to hit. So, yeah, potentially the referee could have jumped in and and stopped those last couple of punches. And we really would have liked to see that because Harrison's been such a good character. Um, He's such a good fella, and and you don't want to see any harm done. But if he had jumped in there, maybe um, people, including Harrison and his camp, would have said, that it was a little bit too soon, so you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't in the referee's position. But um, yeah, in hindsight, we would have liked to see him jump in there a little bit earlier and and stop any excess damage being done. Like a
2: lot of Australians, I guess 40 years plus or 35 plus, you would have seen a lot of Costasu fight. When when you watch Tim and I guess his younger brother Nikita as well, how many similarities can you see between the brothers and their father?
3: Well, between um, Tim and Kosha, there's a, a lot of uh, similarities. They look the same. Uh, they've got a very similar style. And uh, now, as Tim Zoo gets better and better and throws with more power and is just more menacing and brutal, uh, yeah, there's a lot the same. Nikita, he's completely different. He's a southpaw. He he punches completely differently. He uses his range and um, he's all footwork and and he's menacing. Uh, he's got that same zoo attitude. So there's that similarity. But uh, yeah, there's certainly. Certainly plenty um, uh, to sort of uh, weigh up between all of them. Um, they've all got the same mentality. They all train uh, incredibly and ridiculously hard and, and put themselves into fights in, in great conditions. So, um, yeah, if you're a zoo, then you've got something special about you in a boxing sense, and we're just lucky we've got them in this country.
2: Yeah, I, didn't, I must admit, I didn't realise that he, his relationship with his father is, is not that close. We know sort of costi has got a, a new life uh, now over in Russia. So I, I guess that that is a bit of an interesting dynamic between father and son, given... I mean, from the outside, and if you didn't know the story, you, you would think, given he's following in his father's footsteps, that uh, they would be quite close. But uh, just reading a, a couple of pieces on the weekend, that, that's not really the case.
3: Yeah, well, Kostya is based in Russia. Um, he has a, a new partner and a couple of young kids, so he's very focused on that life. We brought him back out, in fact, when Tim was... Um, about to fight Jack Brubaker a few years ago. Kostya came out and um, was part of the promotion. Uh, I filmed quite a few pieces with, with Kostya, who I know quite well. Um, grew up training with Kostya and um, and yeah, still chat with him quite regularly. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's a good guy, but obviously he's got a new life. And um, Tim's life's here. He's very close with his mum. Uh, so is Nikita. They're both very close with their mum, who was there um, screaming and caring on ringside, as she always does. Um, Uh, yesterday afternoon. But, uh, yeah, is on the other side of the world, so they do chat, but um, he's got other focuses. Uh, It's a bit of a weird dynamic. I I guess any uh, father who has moved away Mm. and their sons, um, there might be a a few little prickly bits and pieces, but when we did get them together, um, yeah, there's still a lot of closeness there. Um, Tim actually made a few comments to me this week uh, in the build-up that he was feeling more and more like what he thinks his father did when he was um, at the prime of his career. Tim always remarks upon the fact that Kostya was um, essentially like an army sergeant as a father Um, would get them up early in the morning and make them train and um, have a lot of discipline in the household. And I think he resented that to a point, but now given uh, he himself is uh, an absolute lunatic in terms of his training, he probably sort of gets where his dad was coming from and, um, whether he likes it or not, he sees a lot of similarities in the way that he's conducting himself.
2: After the fight and you were in the ring with him, he was pretty fired up, Tim Zhu. Um, was pretty. that... Was Yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, it, was, that a, was that aimed at Charlo? Was that aimed at some of his detractors in Australia? Where, where did that sort of emotion come from?
3: I think it's aimed at um, his detractors in America primarily um, and those who... Uh, consistently try to say that he is in the position he's in because of his last name uh, Mm -hmm. as much as anything. Tony Harrison was the one saying that uh, at the forefront, but a lot of Americans have been saying that stuff. A lot of Americans were tipping Tony Harrison and and trying to say that uh, Tim Zhu doesn't deserve uh, the notoriety he's got. He's in the position because of uh, who he is rather than what he's done. So, yeah, I think there was a fair bit of that but. uh, (laughs) that spewed out of him in that uh, that ring interview. I did ask him um, a pointed question about Jamel Charlo. And, um, yeah, he sort of just said, well, you've just seen what I've done. So uh, that's all I need to say, really. Um, Charlo now is faced with the prospect of um, either facing Tim Zhu or, or getting rid of his belts. And um, it looks like he's, he's probably going to be happy to face Zhu, which is just fantastic, because that is going to be a really special fight. Um, he is a doubter. No doubt about that. He doesn't believe that Tim Zoo is on his level, even though he saw him uh, yesterday absolutely destroy someone who had previously beaten him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a fantastic build-up that because Charlo is a, a real prickly character, very confident. Um, he's, uh, he's not the entertaining, exuberant character that uh, Tony Harrison is, but um, yeah, he's got a bit of a mean streak, a bit like uh, Tim himself, in fact. So uh, that's going to be something special. So
2: that fight looks like it's going to be mid-year. Will Tim have another fight or two before that fight, do you think?
3: No, I wouldn't think so. I reckon he will now um, put the queue in the rack for a while. He'll probably have three or four days off training before he goes back to the gym, uh, knowing how Tim operates. Uh, the only hindrance to that fight is the uh, broken hand of, of Charlo. Mm. So hopefully that is repairing well. Um, he did make some comments about that on the Showtime broadcast um, Uh, yesterday afternoon Australian time. Um, So maybe the hand is still giving him some trouble, but I believe he's punching again. So uh, hopefully it does come sooner rather than later. Some talk about July, but maybe it'll be a bit later than that. But, um, yeah, talks will uh, commence in earnest uh, today or tomorrow, and uh, the zoo camp will be very keen to make sure that happens uh, sooner rather than later. But if it is going to be delayed because of the hands, uh, I'm sure Tim will want to have another fight. But uh, the ambition is to get that on as soon as possible.
2: Just quickly before I let you go, um, well done on your interview with Billy Dibb, which uh, watched, uh, I think it was the week before last. I mean, you got the great news last week that uh, the scans came back positive. What was that experience yeah. like? Watching that was incredibly, oh, was incredibly emotional.
3: Yeah, it was rough. Um, it was rough going. Um, I've been texting with Billy uh, since he got the diagnosis. Um, I've obviously uh, been getting uh, all of the social media updates and just seeing uh, the state that he was in, having uh, lost all his hair and looking so frail. Um, He looked like he was making weight for a fight down a couple of weight divisions, uh, in fact. But he just um, has been in such a, a battle. And then um i did ask if he wanted to have a chat i knew that um he sort of uh was giving indications that he did want to express himself in that way so we had that chat and yeah it was very emotional i've known him for a long time i called his world title win billy Dib, and um i've been friends with him really for for quite a while so when he said to me in that interview uh ben i I really don't want to die Mm. um yeah that was a heavy moment no doubt so um We then waited until Monday of last week to um, find out what had happened because that's when he was having the scans to find out if there was any cancer still present. Um, And he was going in at 9am, so I was hoping to hear from him about 11, but I hadn't heard from him by three in the afternoon um, because the doctor had um, not rung him back and given him the results after the scan. So uh, I was fearing the worst to be perfectly honest, fearing that maybe the news wasn't good and that's why he wasn't uh, letting people know. But finally he did ring and. And you could tell immediately in the elation in his voice that the news was good. So um, so good to have him at both of our fight nights uh, over the last few days. I, I saw him yesterday and he was still very emotional, um, embraced me and, and was crying again. But um, yeah, the news is fantastic. The best news we could possibly hope for. There is no more cancer in his body. He'll have to have regular checkups, of course. But um, it appears that Billy Dib has won his toughest fight.
2: Great stuff. Uh, ben, thanks so much for your time and uh, well done on the coverage yesterday.
3: Yeah, thanks, Jules. Talk to you soon, mate.
2: Ben Damon, main event commentator. Chase,
7: is
1: physicality not part
2: of basketball, though? Or do you think the break is taken over yet? I'm, I'm good. Thanks, man. That was Chase Buford out of his press conference early uh, last night. Uh, welcome back to the show, Julian De Stoops sitting in for Jared Waitley thanks to Host Plus and the Hyundai Tucson tomorrow's SUV in stock now. That was after the Breakers defeated the Kings 80-70 to 70 to take the grand final series into the fifth game. So a lot of talk about the physicality of the matches uh, in this series. Uh, one of the Breakers owners, Matt Walsh, tweeted he was unhappy uh, with the refereeing after game three and then yesterday uh, the Kings felt they were on the wrong end of the deal when it came the physicality and and the refereeing uh, in what was another physical uh, game that was won 80-70 in the end by the Breakers. So we're going to speak to former Tall Black Brooke Rusco in a sec. But before then, Nick from Hoppers Crossing has been hanging on uh, on the EFS open line. G'day,
5: Nick. Good morning, Jules. Thanks for being on my call again. Good to hear you. I hope one day you and um, Sam team up together and the host a program here and there. We're we're pushing for it,
2: Nick. We're pushing for it.
5: Yeah, you push it forward. I hope it happens because I like you two guys. You're a good talent. Thank you. But with that out of the way, I would like to make a comment about the boxer. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm impressed by the kid. He's got fast hands. Um, with his old man, I, I sort of followed him. Didn't really follow him. It's like, yes or no. But with this kid, we've got to get behind him. He's got something, he's got something there. His hands are just, just too quick. That's what it is, the hand speed. And, and he's a very good boxer. His young kid is going to be even better. Just watch out, this guy. That's t- that's telling him, oh, I've got no chance. Be surprised; he'll knock him out. He'll knock him out because he's very, very good
2: the- yesterday. Very
5: good. The football, I'd like to make a, a special comment to Jeff Brown. Well done, Jeff. Jeff and the Commonwealth Football Club about the um going Port Adelaide. I, I, that's that's it stands where it is, and that's all clear. That's fantastic news for all the football public, and I've got common supporters all of them. Yep, I agree I'm with that. Happy. I'm very happy with that. And the main reason why I ring is that I'm side a bit with the cricket. Well, the problem there is if, if they get rolled today, it's a it's bit of the pitches that they, that they set up in there, the free pitches that they had, oh, this happened. oh we got rolled in there. it got surprised. And then oh, we'll, put a, we'll put a pitch that we, where we can score 600, the other side can score 500, and that result. Hopefully, they've got their head, mind clear. Just bat. Don't worry about the win. Just bat. Get some um, um, experience out there and the conditions. Get some more form for the one-day series. A special comment to um, Khwaja. What, what a what a what a guy! It's, it's, I always looked at him and I thought this is the Australian Pakistani version of um, Brian Lara. He's very patient. The way he bats, there's no there's no there's no hurry in, in his batting. And then Cameron Green, also I have to give him a special comment too because he has only played a couple couple of matches, but I can see his bowling. He needs a little bit of a touch-up here, but, he, but he's got five wickets there. He's got a bit of experience. And now his batting is going really well for the century. And also um, the spinners. All the spinners have done really well for the, for the Australian side. And I'm very glad with that positivity. But if they, if they get rolled today, Andrew McDonald has to have a look at himself. Maybe get someone else, like a Ricky Ponting or... Matthew Hayden or even the guy from Western Australia. I forgot his name at
6: the
2: moment, but the one that's coaching Yeah, before. Adam Voges. Uh, yeah. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for your call. I've got uh, Brooke uh, hanging on, but uh, I think he's doing a pretty good job, Andrew McDonald. So I don't think there's going to be any coaching change uh, anytime soon. Uh, Brooke Rusco joins us as we talk NBL. It's going into game five. G'day, Brooke.
8: Hey, good morning. Well, Good morning to you guys. Good afternoon good to you. Now, and what, before yeah, we you. get
2: on to the uh, basketball, we've got a beautiful day's Test cricket set up here at Christchurch. Uh, New Zealand chasing a tricky target, one for twenty-eight. We're going to get any play?
8: Oh, yeah! You know, this is very, it's very uh, uncommon in New Zealand that you get a bad day. So uh, i would imagine <laughs> that we'll see the afternoon come through and you know a couple over over Hagley Park. No, I'm not actually too sure. Uh, yeah, we might be hard pressed. So it's been a, a tough few months for us over here in New Zealand. The weather hasn't been too. Yeah, it has. It's yeah, it's been rough.
2: No doubt. Well, it was a good day for New Zealand yesterday because the Breakers hit back uh, really hard in uh, game. For a lot of talk post match amongst both the coaches was the the physicality of the game. Chase Buffett suggesting that he knew what was coming after the comments from the Breakers owner after game four. Watching the game yesterday, did you? Was the refereeing an issue? Was it particularly physical from the Breakers' point of view? How did you summarise it? Oh,
8: I... <laughs> It's much of the same at the moment. Both teams are playing physical. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be court and you can see it. A lot of it is physical, but that's what you want at this time of the year. You don't want everything to be paid. You want the boys to be able to play. And I thought the, the ticky-tacky fouls that you, you can get away with during the regular season, those were the ones that they were calling last night, hands in there, trying to reach. But in terms of bodying up and being strong... Uh, I didn't mind it. And, and I talked to um some of the the, the coaching staff from the Sydney Kings at halftime and they came out and said, hey, we know what we need to do. We need to toughen up. We need to stop playing into the refs. So uh, I I didn't mind it last night, especially at this time of the year. You want the boys to go out there and, and decide it themselves and the refs not to take over too much. And I know if you're the Sydney Kings, you're probably thinking at the moment, well, that's not how we saw it, but um, the breakers had that sort of, you know, Thing after game three, so hopefully game five the refs aren't um, spoken about at all, and it's the basketball that decides it. But in terms of just the spectacle, we've got ourselves a series now. This is what you dream of a game five? You go back to Sydney the storylines all across the board. Like, basketball and the NBL, it's pretty impressive, and, and it's going from street to street.
2: Yeah, you mentioned you've been courtside just uh, watching on the television. The, the, the atmosphere has been sensational. Um, and, look, you know, record crowd there yesterday. We had a record crowd in Sydney for Game 3. What, what sort of atmosphere has it been like being courtside? Because the noise through the telly has been amazing.
8: Oh, and I watched it back last night. I went back and I watched the game, and it didn't do it justice. It did sound like it was loud in there, but when you were actually in the arena last night, I have never heard a breakers game or a basketball game in general that loud here in New Zealand. It was something special when Barry Brown had that dunk in the fourth quarter. Justin Simon trying to chase the the momentum went back to the breakers. I, I swear the roof almost went off it, and the Backstreet Boys were in there the night before. So the Backstreet Boys the night before, and then the breakers did their thing, and it was louder in the breakers last night then the Backstreet Boys coming back to New Zealand on their reunion fourth. And that's how loud it was <laughs> at Spark Arena last night. And its uh, I was so happy for a couple of those guys. You know, Will McDowell, White, Tommy, they were a part of the team that had to go over to Australia and you know, leave their family for a couple of years. And they won absolutely no games. And it was tough. And it kind of felt like last night that it was full circle. And that was the, the crowd that they deserved. And I just wish for... From well, Tommy's point of view, uh, I, I feel that like he potentially could have retired last night if they won yep. the series in Auckland, if they won game two, and then they won game four as well. I don't know, the storyline would have been there. You know, 35 now, you go out on top, and it, it just would have been amazing. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Breakers win it. And I don't know anything. I don't want to start the rumor mill. I, I'm not Woge, but I don't know anything. But I just think <laughs> it would be an amazing story. If the Breakers can somehow win it in Sydney, it's going to be a tough ask it's a great way for Tommy to go out.
2: Oh, I think as you mentioned too, Brooke, where they came from last year that you know no team in the NBL and you know a bit like um, the Warriors in the NRL were affected as much by oh, COVID yay. when you're in New we Zealand, much, when yeah. you're a New Zealand team, so it would be a remarkable performance. In terms of the imagination this series is, is is capturing in New Zealand, of course the Breakers have got, you know, rusted on hardcore fans that are there every week, but is it is it sort of a captured the mm-hmm. imagination of the whole uh, sporting public in New
8: Zealand this series? Yeah, it does feel like it. And, and obviously I'm in the circles. But now so more than ever, I'll be at the barbershop or uh, just going to get petrol or grabbing a pie in the morning because I'm still my athlete's it. But everyone's talking about bus basketball. It's just breakers this, breakers that. Did you see it last night? How are they going? What do you know? It does feel like it is back. It feels like the breakers when DJ was here and Dylan and Bacca it kind of feels like breakers of old, which is, which is exciting. And, and I told a couple of the guys, like you actually don't know what you've done here. Because it's your first year in New Zealand and you know your imports over here, but you've brought basketball back into the forefront and people are talking about it again. So what you guys have done this year is amazing. Coach Modi and his staff, they whew, they need a high five just for, for what they've done. And I don't know if they can win it all. You know, that's just the icing on the cake, but they should be very, very proud of the, the effort that they've put forward this year. It's been, it's been spectacular.
2: Speaking of former Tall Black, Brooke Rusko, Game 5 of the NBL Grand Final Series in Sydney on Wednesday night. You can hear it live here on SEN and across the SEN network. So they won Game 1 in Sydney. Game 3 was a disappointment. The Breakers have had a good record on the road this season as well. So I'm assuming inside the camp, they're, they're pretty confident they can get the job done.
8: Yeah, it seemed like that. It seemed like walking out yesterday that they were... Obviously, they were on a a high after winning like that, having a crowd like that, a record crowd as well. uh, I could almost see something in their eye, like, yeah, this is cool, but the job's not done, which is, you want to see that. You don't want to have them playing the final already. So it looks like they they were going to enjoy the moment, then come back and and get ready for Wednesday night. And they've been amazing on the road. They've struggled a little bit more at home this year, but they have been great on the road, and that kind of got them to second place on the ladder. Yeah, you think about the NBL this year and Sydney was one and the Breakers are two and then you come to a game five of the final series. Like The the season has been amazing and um, yeah, whatever happens on Wednesday night, either team deserves to win it all. But uh, I don't think the Breakers will go into that one with with any second guessing. They, they didn't seem to be afraid of the moment. They've struggled to shoot the ball all, all series long from deep. They made a few last night, but I was just so much. I was impressed that they weren't settling. They got into the paint, if they can do that over there, it's easier said than done. When you get eighteen thousand people loud in Sydney wanting the boys to go back to back, easier said than done than getting in the paint. But they did a good job last night, and I think like Tommy has shot the ball terribly, and this is polluting it bluntly. If he if he can. Step up and make a couple of those big ones. Will McDowell White did a good job of making a couple of big ones. Terrell Brantley yesterday he really stepped up as well and made a few. So they have to convert from deep and they did a better job yesterday. Still room for improvement, but they did a better job yesterday. If they miss, Sydney's just quick man. They get out and run and Xavier Cooks and Jarrett Wilson Jr. They're they're amazing and they've proven all year why they are worth what they're worth and they've obviously just signed to go and play the NBA for a couple of years as well. So if you give them any hope, if you give them a, a sniff, then it's going to be a tough night at the office. But if you can, if you can hit a couple from deep and just silence the crowd and you've been good on the road all year, it's going to be a good game.
2: Oh, it should be a cracker. And it's, it's what the se- as the season deserves, as you say. The top two yeah. teams, it's been a great season. We're going down uh, to game five. Both teams have won a game on the road. So it should be an absolute cracker. Uh, Brooke, thanks so much for your time This afternoon, your time, this morning, our time. And uh, let's hope Game 5 is a ripper. And let's be honest, if you don't barrack for the Kings in Australia... We're on the breakers. So let's uh, let's hope uh, the breakers get the come job done.
8: <laughs> All right, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, Brooke Rusko, former Tall Black, doing a great job on the sidelines with Liam Santamaria on uh, ESPN uh, throughout this final series. As we say, you can hear it live and here on SEN and across the SEN network on Wednesday night. Of course, the cricket returns uh, this afternoon at 2.30. Adam Collins and the team on SEN Test Cricket. Okay, before we get to the break, a bit of breaking news out of the Bombers, not overly surprising this one, but Jake Stringer has been ruled out of the Bombers' opening round clash against Hawthorne as he recovers from a, a hamstring injury. Suffered about three weeks ago now. Jai Corbell touch and go with an ankle sprain. Dyson Heppel a chance after uh, spraining his foot against the Gold Coast. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Matt Guelfi and Kyle Langford played VFL on the weekend uh, and potentially... Uh, will be available for the Bombers for their clash against the Hawks on Sunday. Okay, we've got about 20 minutes now. We're going to speak to James Moffat about 11.40, but give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on the EFS Open line. We've still got a $200 BCF voucher to give away to our best caller this morning, BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun. Give us a call.
0: BCF hey!
2: Anything you want to talk about in the world of sport in footy, give us some of your bold predictions. We'll read through a couple of our others after the break, uh, just to get the uh, the brain uh, ticking over, this is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV, it's in stock now. Welcome back to the show. Julian De Stoop sitting in for Jared Waitley. James Moffat will join us uh, very shortly to talk V8 supercars. So opening round of the season up in Newcastle. Uh, mixed weekend, it's fair to say, for the defending champ, Shane Van Gisberg. And uh, good timing because Jason has jumped on the line and wants to talk about the V8s. day, Jason.
9: Yeah, mate, how are you going? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks mate. I was just listening in on about the V8 supercars and uh, Van Gisbergen and that and I just wanted to let know, it sort of eat me away a bit I'm what they call a VV, a Virgin Bathurst man, I'm going there this year the Nice. End of the year. Um, I follow the Camaros and I was looking at supporting the Red Bull team that Van Gisbergen is racing for but after hearing about what happened on the weekend and his attitude towards it I wanted it to be known to them that it's really turned me, really made me angry and I'm contemplating on change, you know, not not supporting that that team after hearing that. I think it's a disgraceful sort of an attitude for him to have with someone like me who was really keen on, you know, supporting them and following them, to hear that, that that really really annoyed me. So I'm looking at maybe uh, having to, you know, support another team and spend my time and money on, on on somebody who wants to engage with the supporters, you know.
2: So you're talking about the way he reacted after race two yesterday?
4: Yeah,
9: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think that was very fair to us supporters, you know. We wanted to hear his side of it, you know, his thoughts on his race and all that. But just to sort of shut things down like that, it's very disappointing to hear.
2: Yeah, he was clearly uh, very fired up and disappointed what happened on Saturday. But yeah, he certainly has come in for some uh, criticism for the way uh, he handled uh, his post-race uh, media conference yesterday where he basically didn't want to say anything. He said he said everything to Jessica Yates on, on, uh, on Fox and uh, they did all their talking out on the track. Uh, thanks so I much. I prefer
7: really not to, um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble.
2: This special one, Shane Van Gisbergen there. Uh, Thank you uh, for your call, Jason. And we'll speak to James Moffat about that in about uh, 15 minutes' time. You'll certainly go into the running, Jason, for the $200 boating, camping, fishing voucher. BCF
9: in fun. Hey! Just don't know
2: if you've got the timing right today, Rod. BCF pressed to number one for outdoor Easter fun. Uh, So we'll give that away before the end of the show. John Longmire currently addressing the media. Uh, Interesting first up game for the Swans on the road against the Gold Coast, who are... They're a really tough team to beat. Uh, Well, they're a tough team to beat anywhere uh, or any time of the season for what they showed last year, but particularly earlier in the season at home, uh, they are a very tough nut to crack. So if anything comes out of that press conference uh, with John Longmire, uh, we'll let you know. If you're just joining us, uh, a bit of news around the AFL this morning. Jake Stringer uh, ruled out of round one for the Bombers. Uh, Dyson Heppel and Jai Corbell will need to be tested uh, later in the week. Interesting for Johnny Ralph's just written to a couple of their you know, big-name draftees from, what, three seasons ago now, Nick Cox and Zach Reed, still about six or seven weeks away from playing VFL after injury interrupted uh, preseason. So, you know, two tall, quite skinny players they want to build up and uh, make sure they don't uh, rush them back. So they're taking a slow approach there. It's a Kilda too. two. Uh, the news is uh, not much better. And then a long injury list. Tim Membry, well, I guess, added to that in terms of a confirmed Uh, absentee. He misses round one against Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. And Nick Caulfield uh, injured a calf last week, which is going to keep him out for four to six weeks. Uh, Missed the entire 2022 season due to a knee reconstruction. Now, just one here off the 40 wings temper off the back of our last caller, Jason, talking about Shane Van Gisbergen. So if you didn't see the V8s on the weekend, uh, he and his team were stripped of race one. He bounced back yesterday, won race two, but uh, was in no mood to speak about it. Uh, Afterwards, um, one text through here, I love SVG and the way he drives. He lives and breathes racing and leaves it all on the track. He doesn't worry about how good he looks on Instagram, like some of these other blokes who can't beat him. As a fan, I tune in to watch the racing on the track, not the interviews afterwards. Uh, I would much rather see then be given the flick and see the full race and worry about fitting the interviews in after the race, etc., uh, etc. Et Go Red Bull, says Steve in Penrith. So, uh, look, he's a great driver, but uh, I'm not sure if he would regret how he handled that uh, post-race yesterday or not. Uh, James Moffat, who knows better than most part of the SEN team, and, uh, of course, he's uh, been out there and driving for years, uh, is certainly one that will be able to help with that discussion. Uh, we'll speak to him about... Eleven forty. Just a few more of our predictions off the forty winks. Uh, temper is a bit harsh. Cochin to win the Liston Trophy in the VFL, says Mike. Well, Kane Corns has been big on the fact he doesn't think he's in Richmond's um, best twenty-three uh, as it is now. Going to play a bit more forward. Uh, that would be interesting. Just one here on the on the Guernsey issue with uh, Port Adelaide. Hi, Jules. You have to remember there are a lot of Port Adelaide power members. Who don't barrack for Port Adelaide and don't want them to wear the Port Magpies Prison Bar Guernsey as they don't barrack for Port, says Glenn in Adelaide. Uh, round one clash between the Ds and the Dogs will be the grand final prelude. Both the most visionary clubs for 2023 Demons with Gorn Grundy Ruck combo and Dogs with the awesome foursome key setup of Darcy, Lobb, Eagle, Hagen and Norton, says J Dog. Uh, Aaron says, My prediction is that Ross Lyme will regret coming back to coaching. Tom Mitchell wins the Brownlow, uh, says Aaron. So plenty more uh, coming through on the 40-winks temper. Got some time to take your calls as well. one 736 736 So a couple of the other predictions we came up uh, for the other clubs. We'll just go through the Melbourne clubs here. So we've done Carlton Charlie Curnow to kick 10 in a game. Collingwood, Jordan DeGoe to win the Brownlow. The Bombers... I had nothing to do with this, I must say, so don't say it's bias. The Bombers will finish eighth and miraculously knock off a fifth-placed Carlton at the G in week one in front of 102,000 so fans on at the G. Here. That would be nice. Uh, we said that the Cats, Jeremy Cameron, to kick 100. Hawks will surprise the critics and win 10. We've done the Ds uh, that Graun and Gun- Grundy will just dominate. North Melbourne, Alistair Clarkson channels his inner Craig McRae and shakes every journo's hand before press
9: conferences.
4: I don't give a stuff about the, the, the kangaroos, but I love North
9: Melbourne.
2: We mentioned the Tigers. Unlike Geelong, Father Time catches up on Richmond and they finished ninth. St Kilda, Cuddly Ross lasts all of five weeks before launching an extraordinary attack on a journalist at a press conference. Uh, St Kilda fans <laughs> like
0: it. They love it.
2: After a heartbreaking loss to the Pies. Swans is interesting. I didn't have anything to do with this one either. Swans win the flag, then sign Tom Deconi and Darcy Parrish. Wash your mouth, at. Not going anywhere. Go to this one. Parrish. And the Bulldogs lob Eugle, Hagen and Norton combined for 120 goals for the season. So still got time to take some of your predictions. $200 BCF voucher. BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun up for grabs. But for now, let's get the latest in the newsroom with Anna Pavlou. Welcome back to the show. I've got no idea what that music is. I'm assuming it's something to do with wrestling, um, but we will move on now. Uh, Matt Hill and Jared Waitley will be part of that Thursday night call team, Richmond and Carlton on AFL Nation. We had Matt Hill on uh, out of 10. I think Gareth Hall got his nose out of joint because he's sneaking around at the back saying it should have been him, but that's okay. He gets enough air time. But we're also talking about obviously a frightening weekend in racing with the, uh, the falls for Craig Williams and Jamie Carr. So Ben Mellum. Uh, Jamie's partner took to social media about two hours ago now, just saying a second precautionary scan on Jamie reiterated the results of the initial scan, indicating there is no swelling, bleeding, or fractures. She remains heavily sedated to allow her brain to rest. Uh, Doctors will reduce sedation as they see fit. She is in a stable condition. Her family appreciates the love and support during this stressful time. However, their primary focus is on nursing Jamie back to good health. Now, we know Craig Williams had his first night at home as he nurses a broken right uh, clavicle. Uh, he said, thank you for the overwhelming support and kind messages I've received over the last 24 hours. Heading home to my family now and am return to the Epworth Hospital for surgery on my right clavicle on Tuesday. So, yep, yeah, tomorrow he'll get that surgery done. Uh, Craig Williams, after that very, very scary moment, uh, well, two, week- two weekends in a row now, there's been some uh, scary race fall so we'll keep an eye on their condition as the week unfolds. Just another one here off the 40 wings temper. So Josh Jenkins this morning, uh, he's made a bold prediction of his own, really, in the fact that uh, there'll be three changes uh, to the top eight this year. Gareth Hall doesn't think it's that uh, bold as he shakes his head. Walking past, so he thinks uh, Sydney will miss the eight, Richmond will make the miss the eight, and Fremantle will miss the eight. Now, he's got West Coast in. Interesting. I think a lot more people think West Coast will win the boon than make the top eight. But um, Jen from Brighton's jumped on and said, Good morning, Julian. My bold prediction is that JJ will be forced to eat humble pie regarding... I don't think he's ever eaten humble pie, JJ. Regarding the three teams he predicted to drop out of the top eight in 2023. Sydney have made the final something like 19 times out of the last 20 years, and Richmond have recruited Taranto and Hopper. While Fremantle is questionable, I think Fife in the Ford line will be a master stroke, says Jen from Brighton, thank you, Jen. Uh, EFS Open Line. Tommy from Williamstown's jumped on. Wants to talk about the Blues. G'day, Tommy.
4: Carlton. Good mate. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good, bro. Yeah, just on Carlton. Like I've heard uh, JJ say before, the thing with Carlton is if they stay fit and not injured, they can make the eight. It's the biggest cop out of all time. Every club, mm. if they stay fit and not injured, could make the eight. Carlton, what are they, 10 years into a rebuild now? we uh, haven't played finals for 10 years. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. But, like, if you're not making the eight 10 years into the re- into a rebuild, had more concessions than any other club, that's embarrassing. Don't worry about injuries. And I don't think it's got nothing to do with injuries. I think they've got no leaders. Patrick Cripps was captain, fantastic footballer, but he's not a winner like Pendlebury and that, you know what I mean, or uh, Joel Salwood, even Trent Cotchin. He's not a winner. But
2: but Trent Cotchin wasn't a winner in the first seven or eight years of his career either.
4: He still made finals, and I don't like Richmond either, but he was still captaining finals.
2: Look, I don't think there's any excuse for Carlton this year as well, Tom. I completely agree. I mean, when your starting point is... The last two Coleman medalists, so two All-Australian forwards, you've got the Brownlow medalist and you've got two All-Australian defenders in Sardin and Weeding. That's a pretty good start. And then you throw in players around them of the calibre of, you know, Walsh, unfortunately, they've lost uh, Williams, but they've brought Akers in uh, to play a role. You've got De Koning, who's an exciting uh, young player. You know, with Kennedy coming off his best year. Hewitt was really good for them last year. Uh, before he got injured. So, yeah, you know Jack Martin and McGovern are talented, but they need to actually get fit and then produce it uh, consistently. But oh, I'm with you. There's no excuse for Carlton this year. They should have played finals last year. They, they only needed one win of their last four. Couldn't get it done. Uh, second season under Michael Voss. They should be playing finals, and I don't think injury uh, isn't out for Carlton either. Thanks for your call. Tommy, you're in the running for the $200 BCF voucher, BCF Preston, number one for outdoor Easter fun. Okay, let's get a break away afterwards. We're going to turn our attention to the V8. It got underway in Newcastle on the weekend, a whole new era of V8s uh, without the Holdens. I tell you, and it couldn't have been any more controversial way to start the season. A big part of the SEN team now is James Moffat, and he'll join us after the break for Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson, tomorrow's SUV, in stock now. Uh, bouncing back, uh, I imagine there was a bit of disappointment with the team today. So did that yep. make today's race win even a little bit sweeter?
4: Yeah, so basically just repeat what I said on track. Like, thanks to my team, our cars were awesome. Um, but yeah, all our talking was done on the track today. So thank you.
2: There was a uh, little... No, mate, it's a press conference. We've got to ask yeah. you questions. There was obviously that battle at turn nine between yourself and Chaz. Uh, can you talk us yeah. through it just from your point of view? All the talking was done on track today. Mate, Thank come you. on. Are you serious? That was Shane Van Gisbergen giving... That wasn't a journalist. That was the, the moderator of the press conferences for the V8, giving him two-fifths of stuff all. And uh, he was fired up, Shane Van Gisbergen, after happen, what happened on day one. Uh, bounced back and won race two, but in no mood to talk about it. Uh, certainly was a, a controversial start to this new era of V8 Supercars, uh, the Gen 3s going around for the first time in Newcastle. One man that covered it all for SEN is James Moffat, and he joins us this morning. G'day, James. G'day, Joel. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. Great to have you part of the team. Do you think, knowing Shane Van Gisbergen as you do, he would wake up this morning regretting the way he handled that post-race media conference, or it's something he would stand by? Well, look,
1: well- Shane's a real no-nonsense operator, and he's right at the top of his game. He is, without doubt, the man to beat in supercars at the moment. And uh, the weekend's racing just proved that again, even with the massive changes uh, for the category in the off-season with a brand-new car, the biggest changes we've seen in 30 years for the sport with the new Gen 3 um, era of, of cars. He was still the benchmark driver. He absolutely put on a clinic uh, both days, to be honest. And um, the disqualification of both the Red Bull cars um, on Saturdays from Saturday's results probably just fired him up even more for Sunday. And he put on a, another brilliant driving display. So um, he's never been one, I guess, that's been that big in the media. Um, he, like you he said, he, he generally does his talking, lets his talking um, to the track and um, that's exactly what he did, so uh, he was probably pretty annoyed with how things played out after the disqualification um, on Saturday, but, you know, that's part of the sport, like any sport, you you play the rules, and and the team were outside the rules, so um, they got handed the penalty for both cars, which, you know, was really out of their hands, the driver's hands, I should say, but, um, yeah, it wasn't... I don't think Shane, I think Shane would still uh, stand by, you know, his, his actions or comments after the race yesterday.
2: Yeah, he probably handled that wrong, though, didn't he? I mean, it's not the media's fault they were stripped of uh, the points on uh, day one. But as you say, he's his own man. He's not, not big uh, in the media. So just for those that didn't see it on Saturday, can you explain why they were stripped of the points from race one?
1: Yeah, so very simply, Jules, uh, all the teams and the drivers, you know, they have uh, cooling systems in the cars to try and keep the drivers as cool as possible. Um, and there's a specific location in the cars where those cooling systems have to be mounted. And for, to keep it simple, it's basically in the passenger seat of um, of the Ford Mustangs and the Chevrolet Camaros. Triple Eight 8 Racing, um, they added an additional piece of cooling for the drivers, uh, which was situated... Basically, next to the driver's seat on the right-hand side, outside of the rules as it as, as they're written, Triple Eight argued that they added that additional uh, cooling to, I guess, keep the drivers uh, cool in the in the hot conditions. They argued it was potentially, you know, a, a safety thing, but um, it's a pretty black and white rule. So at the end of the day, uh, a couple of teams uh, rightfully protested against the results from Saturday's race, um, knowing that Triple Eight. Um, had this additional cooling which you know performance wise there's probably absolutely nothing in it but um, like I mentioned there's a specific location for these cooling systems to be mounted in the cars and um, 888 didn't do that so they were handed a penalty disqualification of both their cars so they finished first and second on Saturday's race and um, they were of those results so That's, I guess, what probably fired them up even more for Sunday and uh, we we saw the result. And you're exactly right in terms of your comments that it's not the media's fault. They're only doing their job. They're, of course, naturally going to ask those questions of Shane and the team. Um, And his response probably wasn't the greatest, but um, history would show that's how he sort of goes about those sorts of uh, responses.
2: So how would have a couple of the other teams that launched the protest been aware that um, the cars had that illegally installed?
1: Well, it was pretty simple, actually, Jules. Um, it was seen uh, in the pit stops. Um, so in each of those races over the weekend, the, the cars have to perform two compulsory pit stops across the 250k race. And um, in those pit stops, uh, a team member from 888 opened the driver's side door and was seen putting some dry ice um, into the, the uh, I guess, the additional cooling um, piece of equipment that they had mounted next to the driver. So um it was picked up on camera and uh, you know the teams are pretty uh pretty switched on to that sort of stuff and would have seen what was going on uh through the footage and um yeah subsequently obviously um submitted some protests and uh you know they um they were found to be successful. So Triple Eight um I guess within their right have appealed the decision but um I'd be very surprised um, if they uh, if they're successful in their
2: appeal, yeah, it seems pretty black and white. Speaking to Sen V eight supercar commentator James Moffat, what did you make of the the coming together of um, Shane and, and Chaz Mostert uh, yesterday in race two?
1: Yeah, look, it was probably really not much in it. Chaz that he was uh, at the end of his tyres and very very grip, grip limited, and Shane was sort of at the opposite end. You know, he had fresh tyres, was in full maximum attack mode, and uh, you know the contact was very, very minor. Um, you know Chaz probably was a little bit unhappy with it because he lost lost the position out of it. But in in reality, it was only a matter of time before Shane was able to uh, to get past. So I I, I don't think it um, affected the the overall result of the race, but um, it certainly added a bit of spice to the end.
2: As you mentioned off the top, it's the biggest changes we've seen in the sport for for thirty years. The Gen Three, but if we're watching on and and following the sport closely this year, how much difference will we actually will we notice? Much with the actual racing? Is it still going to be as tight and and competitive as we've seen? How big are these changes when it comes to the actual racing?
8: Yeah, well,
1: I think you know, time will uh, will tell with that. Um, you know, there's been significant changes um, in the in the design of the cars, and and it is the biggest change um, that the cars or supercars have had in 30 years. So it it is huge. Um, Newcastle was always going to be a difficult one um, to get a real read on. You know, those changes. You know, whether they've been a positive, uh, just the nature of the circuit being a street circuit and. Just um, also the rollout of the cars because, you know, the the teams, you know, they were really struggling to get them all complete before the start of the year. So we found ourselves in a situation where, you know, spares packages were very limited. So, uh, you know, across the two races over the weekend, we only had one safety car period, which is highly Mm -hmm. unusual for a street circuit. And I think a little bit of that was just probably a cautious mentality from both the teams and the drivers just to get through the weekend Relatively unscathed. Unfortunately, for a team like Tipford Racing, they ended up with uh, reasonably heavy damage to two of their Ford Mustangs. Uh, one resulted in James Courtney not even making the, the starting grid for the second race. He um, unfortunately gripped the wall in the top ten shootout for Sunday's race, and the damage was uh, was significant enough that it, it put him out. Whereas I think in the in the previous Generation of car, we would have at least uh, seen him make the starting grid for that race. So uh, a, a few things to play out, but uh, you know, Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time, that'll be um, you know a completely different circuit and style of circuit to the the weekend just gone at Newcastle. So we'll hopefully get a bit better read on on the quality of racing um, over the weekend at the Grand Prix.
2: Yeah, a couple of weeks to go, and we'll see them right here in Melbourne. Now, James, thanks for your time and uh, well done on the coverage yesterday. Look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Jules. Good on you. Great to chat to James Moffat, a big part of the the SEN V8 commentary team and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen on the evidence of yesterday. is going to be very, very hard to beat. Again, this season, not far away from Dwayne Russell, but we'll get to our final break and we'll uh, touch base with Dwayne afterwards. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now. (laughs)